But first, let's pray. Loving God, we pray that you would speak through and to each one of us today. Amen. A few days ago, I was staying in Bristol at Trinity College where Giles trained, and we were visiting various projects in Bristol in the most deprived areas and serving uh, people who were in the most difficult circumstances. Those who were homeless, ladies who worked as sex workers on the streets, those with addictions, asylum seekers, some who'd been in the country for 10 years, unable to work or get any money those coming out of prison. Everyone wants to be safe, to want to be free from crime, safe from war, to know that our families are safe, to know that we've got a roof over our heads. And we want to feel secure, to know that there's food in the house, enough money to pay the bills. And for some of those people, not one of those basic human needs was being met. There were people who relied on the Wild Goose Cafe, for example, for food. We spent a whole day there, and they noticed that we were also getting other things. They were perhaps replacing a jacket that leaked now in the rain. They wanted a shower and toiletries, and there was only one shower, so they had to queue for that. But they also wanted a safe place to be and to meet with other people. Some of them spent most of the day there. It was a place to meet. In another project, there were ladies who'd never known love. They'd known only abuse from childhood. And who now found themselves, as adults, in a mess of drug addiction, sex work and further abuse people who can't see a way out, who have nobody to protect them, nobody that they can trust, least of all themselves. We take safety, protection, and food for granted sometimes. We take God for granted sometimes. We take being accepted and loved for granted. And sometimes we yearn for other things, for more visible things. The Israelites in our story were not alone. God was with them. He was their protector and provider. And you can read about that if you go back a few chapters. But the other nations had a visible king, one they saw ride out to battle in front of his people. There was one moment when I was in the cafe and an alarm was going off outside. And to my shame, I was distracted from the person I was listening to. And all I could think about was that my car was parked in a not great area and it had only been broken into not that long ago already. And at that point, I wanted a visible protector. I wanted my car to have one of those burly guards that seemed to be standing over some of the cars. So I get that. The Israelites wanted to be like the other nations. They wanted to have a visible protector that other people could see as well as them but they were supposed to show what God's people looked like, what it's like to live in a covenant relationship with God, to trust him, as I didn't in that moment of anxiety. 
and to live according to the agreement they made with him at Mount Sinai. So God says to Samuel, it's not you they have rejected, but they are rejecting me as their king. But they'd always craved a king like the other nations. When Gideon overcame the Midianites, enemies of Israel, they'd begged him to be their king. But Gideon was wise and replied, I will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. They had judges as leaders, but God alone was to be their king. The lack of a human king reminded them of that. But whilst it reminded them that God was their king, it also reminded them that they were unlike all the other nations around them. And that should have been a good thing. They should have realized that they were special, but they didn't. They kept asking for a king. And so God warns them what a human king can be like. They will reign over you and they will take, take, take. They will take your sons to build up great armies. They will take your daughters to work in the royal household. They will take your fields and vineyards and give them to their assistants. And the list goes on. Human kings may give us protection, but it comes at a price. And yet, despite being warned, they wanted a king anyway. And God knew they would. In Deuteronomy, the requirements for a human king are laid out. First and most importantly, God will choose him. He will be an Israelite, one of their own. He will not build up military resources. He will not have many wives. Perhaps we'll skip over that one. He will not build wealth for himself and seek to line his own pocket. And we know many leaders that do that. He will obey God and honor the Lord. Such a king would indeed lead the people well. But where do you find such a king? Power corrupts, and the more wealth and power that we have, the more we want. But God gives the Israelites what they ask for. Sometimes the only way to learn is from experience. Even God-appointed kings mess up. Human leaders will always disappoint on some level. They're not perfect. Something we do well to remember as we seek a new vicar. Like all of us, they will not be perfect. So, is there any way a king could indeed have all the qualities that God had stipulated? David is often quoted as being the closest, but he committed adultery and he killed somebody, just for a start. And yet the people wanted a king that they could see. And through an array of kings over the years, some better than others, they longed for a truly anointed king who would be sent by God to rescue his people. And throughout the Bible, such a king is hinted at, is promised even. But in God's timing, in God's timing, that part is very, very important. Sometimes we try to force God's hand. And I'm convinced that one of the most important things we can learn to do is to wait on God's timing. God's timing to bring a king who would fulfill all these requirements and more. One who would truly serve God and bring justice for all. One who does not put himself first, 
one who will deliver his people. And we know such a king. It feels a bit like the Sunday school answer of Jesus. A king who came not to be served, but to serve. And yet he is the king of all kings and the Lord of lords. A king who spoke to women, such as those in Bristol working on the streets. A king who fed the crowds when he knew that they were hungry. A king who welcomed and restored the outcast. A king who would have played chess with the people in that homeless cafe, as I tried to do. A king whose reign assures us that we are his sons and his daughters and that we are loved. A king that stepped into this world so that we can know that. A king who does not take, but who gives. Who even when confronted with the worst of human behavior, responds in self-giving love. And that's what we all need most of all, to be secure in God's love. The ladies that came out of drug addiction and street work went back if that was not resolved if the pain and rejection of the past was not confronted and healed. It reduced me to tears, stories of how God's beautiful daughters had been treated and how they thought of themselves. And many had a criminal record to contend with, which made it nearly impossible to get alternative work. But there was hope, there was transformation. These wonderful words from a lady who had come through. Yet I was, but this is me now. That's not all I was, not all I am, not all I'm going to be. Words of hope, words we can all relate to in one way or another as we think on how Jesus has transformed us. It was this King Jesus that I saw at work in Bristol last week. I saw him working through the volunteers, his body, the church, and through those who didn't know him. I saw him in the people coming to the projects. I saw him in the care that some of the homeless people gave to an elderly man with Parkinson's, making sure that he had a seat and had enough to drink. I saw him at a table where in between eating, one person taught another how to play the guitar. And I saw them as they taught me to play chess, because I clearly wasn't any good at it. <laughs> there was mutual giving. It wasn't all one way. But I also saw Jesus look sadly on as a young girl was jeered at and denounced when she announced that she was pregnant again. Here too, there were outcasts from the group. I saw him standing between those who were picking a fight with each other, taking the verbal assaults and sometimes the physical ones. I saw him gaze in the eyes of those who were obviously high on drugs and sit beside those who kept their head down and their eyes averted the whole time that they were there. I saw him too in the wonderfully named Dad's Cabs, who stood protectively at the entrance of one of the projects. 
I saw him in the many ladies who served homemade cake to the sex workers and offered them a safe, accepting place, and when they're ready, the support to get off drugs and off the streets. We meet him when we have a need, but we also meet him when we help others. It is this king that I want to serve. This king who serves. This king who calls us to get to know him by working alongside him. This king who wants us to open our eyes and see him at work in the world, because he's far from invisible when we look. And it's this king who calls us son, who calls us daughter, and who wants to join he wants us to join him in making sure that each and every one of his children know this too. So they can say too, yeah, I was. But this is me now. That's not all I was or all I am. And not all I'm going to be. Amen. <clears throat>